When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Chris. And on today's show, we have Charles Peterson. Woo! Hi, Charles. So we are very uh, excited to chat with you. We've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. But before we get into all of that, do you mind, for our listeners who may not know you, do you mind introducing yourself and giving us a background how you got into photography? Sure. So, yeah, I'm Charles Peterson. And um, if you don't know who I am, I'm best known for my photographs of the Seattle grunge scene yeah. um, back <laughs> in the you know late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, you know, I've been a photographer for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yep. I'm 59 now. And so uh, I think, yeah, I think I had my first camera when I was 12 or something. Yes. Oh, great. Do you uh, remember what it was? Uh, m- well, you know, um, <laughs> my the, yeah, the first camera that I owned, owned, you know, I, I would re- get them from school shooting like Argus's and, and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Okay. But then I, I yeah, I had a, uh, Fujika SRT 101. Nice. Yeah. And uh, and then I think I, by the end of high school, I graduated to something like a Min- Minolta XD11 or I, hmm. I love that. Agent Go. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, were you someone who self-taught then or, di- or did you go to, did you have like a stint in any photo school? Yeah. So I would, I would say um, I primarily self-taught, but I took photography classes all through uh, junior high and high school, mm-hmm. and then uh, graduated with a bachelor of fine arts in photography in college. Oh, oh great! Yeah, awesome. But that you know, I, I in, in university it primarily was just me going to Ron Kerr, uh, this one professor, and just kind of explaining to him what I was up to every about every three months, and we'd have a long <laughs> discussion, and then Ron would just yeah give me a passing grade. So. I was really a matter of I think in in general I think that something like photography is is really best self taught 
So yeah, especially yeah. nowadays with when there's like education so easy. I went to photo school as well, but it wasn't a fine arts. I kind of wish I had went that route versus mm. this was like a school that was ten months. It was like we're going to teach you the business side, we're going to teach you like commercial photography and this and that. And I just knew I always wanted to photograph people, and I started out right. shooting bands and stuff. So like your work really, you know, I'm sure speaks to a lot of us. But I really like see myself in those live photos back in the day. Um, yeah, but yeah, like having being able to go to school for something you love like that is like there's nothing better but i feel like mm. i know i feel like the fine arts would have if that makes like would have suited me a little bit better just because there would be more time in the dark room and instead of like oh this is how you do your taxes like i don't i'll figure that out like, <laughs> yeah yeah i i i almost sometimes feel the opposite yeah, like sure. oh, yeah. okay yeah they held me down and said yeah learn mm. how to do your taxes yeah so yeah i'm 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 an artist through and through. I'm I've always been lousy with money and 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 stuff. Same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh but you know, I guess it's I guess it's the artistry that uh, sets my work apart from a lot of others. Absolutely. For sure. It's a it's a well-mined uh milieu of of photography, so the music thing at this point. Yeah. Man. It's just sort of all how you approach it. Look at it. So yeah, talk to us about how that that part of your your career happened. I know you were at Sub Pop. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I went to University of Washington starting in '82, coming in from the, the suburbs of Seattle, and I quickly met the likes of Mark Arm, and he introduced me to Bruce Pavitt, and Bruce introduced me to Kim Thale, and. And if you don't know who these people are, that's okay. But they're all now, you know, famous or semi-famous rock stars or record label heads or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of, it kind of just, you know, it just sort of was a small scene snowballed like that. I had an interest in photography, so it was just kind of a natural fit. And I like to experiment and the bands like to experiment, so... Yeah, I, I, I was, but I'd also been influenced, you know, in the, in my, sitting in my living room in the suburbs, not only listening to The Clash and the Buzzcocks and, mm -hmm. and Black Flag, but also looking at the works of Lee Friedlander and Gary Winogrand and mm. uh, yeah, Richard Avalon yeah, yeah. and Maury Fink and, and the likes. So I, yeah, I knew that I wanted to kind of approach what my friends were doing from an artistic standpoint, sort of rewrite live music photography, as, as so to speak. You know, it's kind of a little bit grandiose in the mind of a, <laughs> a 20-year-old. I love that you, that was your mindset so early on, yeah, too. It's not yeah. like you came back to this work and said, like, oh, well, there's there's art here. Like, you were you were while you were shooting, you knew you wanted to, you know, create this work with a purpose and, 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 and have it be yeah. a certain thing. Yeah, and... And I, I, you know, and I, I understood um, the darkroom and how to print very early on. I had a darkroom in high school. And yeah, I, 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 the rudiments of dodging and burning and balancing your light. Yeah. And, you know, I used a flash. So there was, you had to do that or it just looked like a washed out photo mm -hmm. or, yeah. you know, photo with too many shadows. But, yeah, I, I to me it was always yeah an art artistic mindset versus a commercial mindset. I love that. So how 
was it the like the art school in you that that was always because I, I love your shots are all black and white as you can probably yeah. tell by my screen I'm a I'm a black and white head like I love it so much it's my favorite thing in the world it's just, what was your like what drawed you to that yeah I mean that was largely uh, from a, an economic standpoint okay. um, yeah DIY standpoint I guess but also from a historic my favorite photographers that all shot in black and white mm-hmm. and yep. And yeah, it's so much more forgiving and you can do so much more with it. And all you have to do is, especially back in, in 1979, I spent a, an afternoon, you know, being a 16 year old, spent an afternoon in a dark room trying to make a, a type C print. And you're like, yep. screw this. <laughs> yeah, I'm do, yeah. yeah. It's a different matter now with color. Totally. I mean, I, I shoot primarily, my, my recent personal work mm. is primarily color now, but that's a whole other another thing but yeah no i mean you, you you really you know you had to be a part of the process and black and white it was just fundamentally so much so much easier yeah well bulk bulk loading 100 foot rolls of triax sure. yeah think of that with the darkroom stuff yeah because i i've tried color stuff like printing once or twice and man what it's just so much more work and especially doing it without any sort of machinery like just doing it in your bathroom is is pretty chaotic yeah and and and, you know and and that's then printing after the fact there's so much more you can do with black and white and Mm -hmm. so much you know compared to so much more forgiving in the highlights and you don't have to deal with color shifts and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's very you know it can be emotional expressive and and you can crush the blacks to to whatever nth degree you want <laughs> yeah um yeah it's much easier to spot and all all that all that yeah. stuff yeah so i'll ask you this since you're primarily shooting color nowadays do you ever look back at like is there any image you're like man that would look cool in color are you are you are you like pretty satisfied i did shoot some color back okay. then for sure yeah and some of it's pretty great um, than just that, especially with my open shutter and all the light swirls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but, you know, also not, not as many people have seen the work because the, the bulk of it is in black and white. And if you're doing, say, a bulk or something, mm-hmm. that it just doesn't, it doesn't mm. really kind of work that way, at least so yeah, far. Yeah, so it like stick out like a sore mm-hmm. thumb, huh? Yeah, yeah, both from just a, 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 a artistic what, a, a expression and also from a production standpoint. Yeah, <laughs> when you throw that one color <laughs> shot in there, you're you're really throwing like a wrench in the there. printer's <laughs> in the printer's job, right there. <laughs> like I had this crazy, I had this idea, like with the Nirvana book that's coming out. I had this idea that we would just do the end sheets in color, okay, on sort of the matte paper that goes on the end end yeah. sheets. And it's kind of cool, but at the end of the day, it was just going to be a hassle, and right. it was just going to sort of, I think, take away from what we were trying to do inside mm. the book. It was just, totally. Yeah, I was trying to add another sort of bell and whistle on top of it. I, I'm very intentional about wh- what right. I do and, and how I present it to the world, and yeah, and I I think I I like to approach it from in the same way that yes, my mentors approached it from people that, you know mm-hmm. my inspirations. We talk a lot about bookmaking on the show and like what that process 
like what what goes into that process. Can you can you talk to us about how how the how it's been for you? I know it's been in the works for a while, and we're all excited. Yeah, for February. sure. <laughs> so I mean, this Nirvana book, Charles Peterson's Nirvana. It's on mm-hmm. um, the publisher is Minor Matters Books, and they um, it's a local local publisher. She spent Michelle. She's worked with with photographers from Aperture and Chronicle and did books oh, with wow. them for years. And so uh, she, we've known each other and um, her, her focus is more on diversity and uh, uh, voices and whatnot. But she, she's also a music fan and, and mm. longtime fan of my photography. So we were going to initially do pre-pandemic, we were talking about doing more of a retrospect of my grunge work. Oh, and yeah. then um, I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head wrapped around it. It was mm. just too much, too much mm. w- work to go through. And so last summer, I just had idea of like, what about a Nirvana? And I'd, I'd thought about this for years and people yeah. poked me like, do a Nirvana right. book. And I always yeah. thought, oh, I don't have enough or I have my, my material is, it's not diverse enough and mm. doesn't tell the complete history, so to speak. Right. Because there are big gaps. Because I was just, I don't know what, whatever. I was. Yeah, yeah, sure. I got a lot of excuses, reasons, whatnot. But <laughs> um, I got, I got, I got enough to, to yeah. make a bowl. So yeah. in the end, um, so but yeah, the family went out of town for the summer. I laid out, uh, and I just, I, I, they, they went to France and had a great time, and I, I stayed at and home. And you got to work. <laughs> yeah, I got to, I work, got to work, and I, and I made like 300 little prints you know mm-hmm. uh, eight and a half by 11 prints and laid them out uh yep. through the kitchen and into the living room and you know back around and, and then just like put on nirvana for two weeks and yes. just started started shuffling stuff wow, wow. and then everyone so i run to do a little more scanning and some printing and and what so I got it to a pretty good point and then I took it to Michelle and she's like, yeah, this can work. And then she worked on it and we kind of, one point it sort of, I, I went second thought the whole process and added a bunch of images and took some others away and it dangerously ve- started veering towards uh, a, what what we, we labeled a band book versus yep. a uh, okay. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Michelle, because she's been through this whole process, she she brought me back, and it very much became an art book at that point. Wow! Um, and what we did essentially was to not make it a history, to not make it sort of overly clever, though. At the same time, of like transposing images, is is we kind of decided to jettison um, most, if not all, of the post and sort of backstage photos. Okay. Just really concentrate on. She's like, "What do you do best? What did you mm. do best with this band?" And I was like, "Well, I photographing them live." Yeah. And she's like, "Well, what does the live mean to you?" And to me, to me, it was like, "Well, to me, it's 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 transliterating their music, what their the sound of their music and the, and the, yeah. the, their performance, you know, uh, the emotion of their performance." So we, with that in mind, we essentially took like all about a dozen shows. And turned it into one as one single show, almost so to speak. Oh, neat, neat. Oh, cool. Um, so it's it's there's like six sections or seven sections that are like interchangeable, really, mm-hmm. to the most part. But they have a you know a song title associated with them, and and you know there's not a, it's not really a you know a literate thing. 
but it can mm. be if you want, whatever. It's kind of like Kurt's music in a way. Like you can mm. take it and make it mean anything you want, really. Transmutational. Wow. wow. So when digging through that stuff, when when you were getting all the prints and stuff together, did you find some stuff you you forgot about or you haven't Ooh, seen yeah. in forever? Like what what was that experience like? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, and and the digital process now allows for that to much easier there's stuff that i just yeah, yeah really never wanted to touch in the dark room or i just yeah, knew yeah. it was just it was just going to be a real real pain and so yeah. now the ability to quickly scan and and work on it in photoshop i could really yeah bring some images back to life so to wow. speak um and do it and 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 do it yeah i think i don't think one the dark room print or a digital print one is better or, or worse they're just right. different and so, but we also had, we, uh, we had for the book, we had, uh, uh, duotones made, um, as well oh, files. Wow. So by Thomas and, oh, I forget Thomas's last name. Um, he's back in Rhode Island and he does, he's done duotones for, for, you know, aperture and, wow. and, and Scully books all for whatnot, like the photographer, you know, you name the, the mm-hmm. big black and white photographers and he's done it. I mean, that's all he does is black and white duotones. So wow. yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was quite a, quite a process. And then essentially narrowed it down to like 90 images. Wow. Thereabouts, uh, which is still from a, from, from a production standpoint is still quite a few, Yeah, you know, uh, but we, we certainly had enough. We have enough for a second volume if we ever decide. Wow. Oh, yeah. I love that you, you went from like, I don't have enough to like, yep. well, it's going to be a yep. big book. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, people were laughing at me, my son, especially <laughs> because I sort of on social media as we were gearing up for the pre-sale because Minor Matters model is to do a, a pre-sale of the book and the, yep. the first 500 or so people get their name published in in the book oh cool so publishers and uh and that just allows the book to move forward she had three titles this right. this spring um you know mine we sold 750 in like eight hours wow. yeah kind of cut it off at that point like yeah. <laughs> yeah main thing at least you know yeah 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 it's very small print <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, it just takes up, yeah. It took up a few pages, uh, <laughs> but it's it's cool. It's a cool. Uh, it's a cool thing. It's like we said. It's this, an exciting thing, and uh, you know, for the fans of Nirvana, they're going to be very very happy with new stuff to look at they've never seen before. I want to ask you specifically about like the scene. Did you know when you were documenting all this stuff? Did you did you know like were you like this is gonna this is it like this is gonna blow or were you just kind of like doing your thing and then all of a sudden you're like wow there's way more people here than there were last time <laughs> yeah i i didn't i i think uh we were just kind of going along and then all of a sudden i don't i don't think any of us still even to this day like mm. understand or realize just what sort of impact we truly had or how yeah. big it or whatever i think i wish i'd known sort of more in the moment mm-hmm. like oh my god like this is yeah i i i would have probably have done things different sure you know but yeah you just don't know i mean yeah sometimes you end up with different priorities and yep yep chasing yep. different unicorns so yeah. mm-hmm. but uh i do have a lot of archives to work with so 
That's yeah. great. I, I bet. I bet. Yeah, I wanted to ask you kind of to backtrack on the sub pop thing. Now, was that they would like send you out on assignment or were you just like a guy that loved to go to shows? Like, what was that mm. working with them like? Well, I mean, you know, initially sub pop was just just Bruce in his apartment and mm-hmm. it was just, yeah. You know, Wow. Me bringing over some prints of my friend's bands who just yeah, happened cool. to be starting to put out records on Sub Pop. Uh, after that, it sort of morphed into, um, I actually worked in through a lot of the early days, I worked at Auto Trader making little news, uh, halftone prints for for the publication and rolling bulk rolling film and the souping like you know, 100 rolls of film a night from the agents out in the field. Oh, that sort wow. of thing. Wow. Well, well, well. So it was kind of a kind of a funny job. Uh, I, you know, I would soup a lot of my own film there. I would bulk load a lot of my own film there because I did the ordering as well. Uh, <laughs> nice. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it just was that like, yeah, in your early 20s and, and you just sometimes, sometimes we'd work late on the job. Other times, oh, you know, business was dead. So we would get off early and still get paid the same and then go head out to a show or whatever. So yeah, a lot of us were, were you know, doing stuff like that when, where, where and when we could. And then it morphed into sub, like I was like the, essentially the first secretary at, at Sub Pop when they had a one room <laughs> office. I quit, quit Auto Trader, did that. Then they got a warehouse downstairs. I had a dark room in there for a while. Wow. Yeah. So it was a really, I was kind of more on a salary and I'd go out and mm-hmm. shoot ads and then supply some photos and pack some records and open some letters. And yeah. Yeah. It sounds like to me, that's like a dream job. <laughs> like I would have loved to yeah, uh, <laughs> been like, yeah, the, the photographer at the I record was also label. the like, only one. I had a Volkswagen van. So, and <laughs> like, neither John drove. So, I was also like the one who would go and deliver records around town and pick up bands at the airport. So to be cool. a part of something like that. Yeah. I know. I, I love that. <laughs> I, I forget where, if it was on one of like Dave Grohl's, I forget what it was, where you where you were talking about sub, or they were talking about sub pop in the thing. And it was like, yeah, when the paychecks came out, like everybody rushed to the bank to try to cash yeah, their check. Yeah. And, it, and it was, <laughs> it's, it's just so funny, but it was like, everybody was, they didn't care. Like everybody was just like a part of it. You know what I mean? Like you're a part of this, this amazing well, was, world. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and keep in mind, this was like pre-tech and, and yeah. yeah. Uh, manufacturing has declined and, there was just like not much going on in Seattle at the time. So yeah, so to be a part of something at least, you know, versus just working in a Kinko's yep. or yep. Mm-hmm. you know, whatever, or Starbucks or something. It just was like even that wasn't an opportunity then. It didn't have one on every block. There was only a <laughs> <Right>. few. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, yeah, it was right. just a different different time and city. So yeah, it's definitely a different time when it got, in regards to like photography in general. We talk a lot about like mm-hmm. everybody thinks they're a photographer now because they have their phones. It would have been way different if everybody was documenting Nirvana like with their iPhones. You know what I mean? Like to, to oh yeah, to, I know for sure. Yeah, yeah to, to be yeah. to be a photographer in that era, it was like that that meant something. Not everybody knows how knew how to do it. It wasn't as accessible. It's not as easy to just like pick up a digital camera and go. Like you had to know what you were doing, mm-hmm. you know. And oh, and there's yeah, there's now there's stuff I so wish we had back then. Like I've got like this great Pro Photo A10 flash that oh, you yeah. put this little <laughs> yeah. wireless hockey puck on on your uh, <laughs> yeah. camera, and then you, that would have been cool. <laughs> whereas before, I had like literally, you know, like a cable to the 
you had to drag it off. Cable to the camera and then a cable to a, to a power pack. And it was just, yep. yeah, kind of a, a tangle. And then trying to roll, you know, put that somewhere while you had changed film. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when, when did it start to slow down with shooting shows? Like when did you start to kind of get out of get out of mm. that whole scene um more like late late 90s early okay. 2000s it just is not I, I felt like i'd kind of done it and yeah. there there really wasn't the at least in seattle or if i wanted to stay in seattle there wasn't i don't know much call for it as yeah. you know business wise i still do i still do i still do the occasional i like to do the occasional Big show here and there, mm. interesting show. I mean, I just photographed Mud Honey uh, a couple weeks oh, ago at the, at the Crocodile, and now you know I had a now I sh- shot it with a Leica M10 monochrome. At, yeah, at, <laughs> you know, so and it's like okay, uh-huh. like, yeah. but you still have to edit and post process. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. So, how was that for you, being like a like a predominant film shooter? You know, gr- like growing into the oh, times. Yeah. Was it was it hard for you to kind of switch into the digital world? It was definitely hard for me, and I finally I didn't I succumbed to it a lot later than than most other photographers. Uh, I went, you know, I think w- when everyone was buying these like uber expensive Canon whatever, yeah, sixteen megapixel for for seven grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't bought an Imacon scanner, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, for ten for ten grand, but it, it yeah, I got a lot, lot more for me. I got a lot more use out of that. Totally. Well, at a certain point, it just wasn't affordable to do new work anymore mm. on yeah. film. So I think what my first digital body was like a Nikon D two hundred or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but now now that I shoot like a digital, I love it. Um, and I've shot M- M's for, well, I've shot M's since I, uh, mid nineties, you know? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So that's been your, like has been your main camera system since the nineties? Uh, well, no, I still use, I still used a Nikon a lot up until like 10 years ago or so, but yeah, I, I, I rarely, the Nikon now lives on the copy stand to do as a, cause my Imacon died couple years back yeah um, so the but the the nikon lives on a copy copy stand see it there, there and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that it's a great way of archiving archiving totally. my yes yeah, a d850 and get a pretty good scan and it's it's quick it's a lot quicker than the imacon i like the look of the imacon scans better but yeah it's so much faster it's crazy yeah. how much faster it is yeah, I still need to convert over to the uh, camera you know, scanning. The, the camera scanning. Yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm a flatbed guy. I sit here and it's like, <laughs> for like you yeah, know, three uh, hours. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's too, it, there's a lot. Of, yeah, we talk about flatness issues. I have a I have an A50 here, Epson A50 on my desktop, mm-hmm. uh, and I it just does not work for me. So right. oh, it's, that, it's okay hmm. i do miss the dark room at times yeah i was gonna ask if you were still printing or developing or do you no, shoot film at all anymore or? i haven't shot film in like 10 15 years maybe okay 14 we'll years send you a roll get you back into it yeah we'll get you back uh, yeah into it. <laughs> I got some, i've got a bunch of film laying around and i've got a couple i've got to still have a couple film cameras i've got a roll of flex and a, a like three yeah, uh, it's uh, well. 
I had to give up. I, I had to give up the dark room for primarily for health reasons. Really. Right, I was going to mm. say that's like you put, I don't know. That's kind of an has always been sort of a bit of an untalked about thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was literally killing, and Jeez. even even still wearing a respirator, rubber gloves, and mm. all yeah. that was still not not good for me. And I could never truly ha- have a truly good ventilated space because it was always kind of you know makeshift i was like downstairs makeshift like in the basement like i knew (laughs) i was like this can't be safe like i'm (laughs) yeah yeah but the prints are amazing um Mm -hmm. i just i love the process with it and all that i may be able to figure out how to do it again someday so yeah that'd be cool what do you gotta teach your kids yeah (laughs) yeah I mean, the, the problem is, is I sold off everything, and now it's expensive to buy it back. So it's yeah, yeah. now it is. Old. Yep. Yes. Nobody was anticipating that. Yeah. I remember I sold my photography school camera, which was a uh, a Mamiya six four five AFD for like eight hundred dollars in like two thousand eight, and I was like, buy film. I'm I'm gonna shoot this digital stuff, and little did I know it was gonna come back into my life in such a powerful way mm-hmm. that now I'm like, I wish I still had my school camera. So I went to look it yeah. up, and they're like, you know, twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, which is still yeah, cheaper than what they were when we bought it, but still. <laughs> yeah, the one I regret is the Hasselblad Super Wide. Oh. I sold a few years back. Oh, you had a Super oh. Wide. Oh, I wish I had that. Still, that's how I used. <laughs> uh, I shot a book of uh, break dancers in the late two thousands, and um, I used that and uh, Mamiya Six and Mamiya Seven. Nice for it yeah man what was your what was your first leica film camera the m3 did you that's the one you kept um i actually had a i actually had an m2 and it it really i don't know i didn't gel with it and then i sold it this was in the early 90s Mm. um and then 90 it was 96 i got a leica m6 finally the used one and um that I was like, okay, with the meter in it and everything, and it's yeah, it was like, and the the wide frames, and I was like, okay, so I started to gel with that, and yeah, um, I took, I used it primarily like for shooting some backstage kind of stuff mm-hmm. and travel, travel work and personal stuff, and uh, then yeah, then I had M6s and M7s and. Sold all those stupidly. Now they're worth a fortune. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I know. Then I, then I had an M8 and an M9 and then an M10. And now I have an, an M10R, the oh, wow. black paint body, which, Whew. well, they will bury me with. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, I don't know. The, the new, the the direction like is going in doesn't, doesn't agree with me, really. Mm. Um, but the M10R is pretty is, is is pretty pretty great as far as what I do or want to do. My daughter's name is Laika, by the I was way. Gonna, I was gonna, <laughs> yes. I was gonna, we were gonna get there because I yep, was yep, like, yep. I tried with my I husband am. and he was like, no. <laughs> That's amazing. Does she shoot at all? That's why I said you got to teach your kid. Um, I mean, her name's Laika. You got to be like, I'm sorry, honey. You, yeah, you have she, to, like... he, she's got, she just has a like a Fuji Instamatic. Uh, okay. Polaroid, but in a phone, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, my son, he he's fourteen, and he wanted for he wanted for Christmas. I hope this the, he won't he won't hear this, but uh, 
He wanted a camera for Christmas, so he's getting his first camera. I got oh, like right. a, a Sony A6300. Nice. Oh, great. Those are great. Yeah, yeah. He can, he can take it to Hawaii on vacation and just do whatever he wants to do with it, so... I love it. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you about your like your archive and stuff. Like, how often mm. are you digging through that stuff? Is this like a, you come up with an idea? You you remember a shot? Like, what is? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even imagine having the photos you have. Well, it's almost. It's just almost a daily task. Boil, mm-hmm. depending on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I get requests all the time for various stuff you know, bands from back then or people looking to do sort of more images, use them for murals or walls. Oh, I cool. know there's all kinds of uses that, and for them, clubs, uh, wow. that sort of thing. Uh, I've even done a Braille book of one of my images. Oh, wild. Wow. So, yeah, so I'm kind of, and, and then I, I, but obviously I'm kind of still always culling with ideas yep. in mind. I still like looking to do a gr- more of a grunge retrospective. Mm. Um, yeah. So I do have a Lightroom collection of like, oh yeah, a hundred images that could possibly be for this, you know, mm. and then kind of just keep switching in and out on that or adding stuff or, t- you know, I'm like, well, I add something i need to take something away you know right. I kind of yeah think. yeah it's it and lightroom's great that way to kind of edit i still prefer uh for final sequencing on a project like the nirvana book to make prints and to lay it out and to mm-hmm. to go print based it's a lot quicker it's a lot easier to, to not get lost and yeah 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 Plus, you can kind of like you can you can like stand back and like look at all of it and be like, okay, this does work, or you know, like I feel like that's really the only way to like when you're in at least in the final stages to 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 make yeah. sure and feel good about it. So, and um, you know, I'm just right now, just like I should all I've got all this stuff with the Nirvana book launch I should be working on, yeah. but of course yeah. I've also been. <laughs> Kind of just playing with with my personal project yeah. that I've been uh-huh. shooting the last few years, um, and that's called um, Photographs for Ambient Music. Oh, and cool! I've been shooting that primarily with a Leica M10 and a mm-hmm. 135 millimeter lens. Oh, 135, cool! Yeah, the yeah, um, and the the APO. It's just stunning, but it's it's essentially sky uh, skyscapes and landscapes. Oh wow! 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 Taken, taken uh, like from the house or on my walks or uh, most yeah. of the work is done within say a two square mile radius of the house, and it's color very minimalist. I'm sort of a, approaching it from some of it has airplanes in it, um, mm. bridges, towers, but just sort of like how we are interacting with nature and the environment. But not in a literal sense. It's really emotional work. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to. I haven't put all the words together for it yet. You kind of mm. have to see it. Yeah, yeah. But I've probably taken like fifty thousand mm-hmm. images for it, and wow. I've boiled yeah. it down to around fifty or sixty at this point. And that's another thing. That's that's what's you need to. I always stress editing. Like you just got to edit, 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 and then get it down to a point and just go like. Well, yeah, okay, I've been doing this for three years, but you know what? I've got like these images, but I can do better or I can, Mm. I now I'm starting to see or whatever. Uh I think everybody wants to, 
make a project every six months or something, you know? (laughs) No, Uh, agreed. And sometimes it can just take years of just working away at something. And then totally. I mean, that's so true because I put out like a little zine years ago, but I like just from if if I'd taken a little bit more time with that idea, you know, it's it's, Mm -hmm. people like, okay, it's done. And then you're like, well, this would have been great for the thing I put out a year ago. Like, I wish I had just not done that. So, so you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. You have to let it percolate sometimes. Totally. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's like having the patience to, to really just know that the project's going to be a long one and just feel it out versus being like, well, you know, if I want to get it out by this date, I should do this. And like, then you're rushing, you're like shooting stuff just to like shoot and like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Not, not, not great. <laughs> well, I feel like too, Chris, you could, you could always revisit that stuff too and make it into something yeah. else. Cause I, I beat myself up about that stuff for like zines that I've made in the past where mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, those pictures are dead now. And it's like, well, yeah. no, the, the 50 people that bought the zine, you know, they saw them, but what about, yeah. you know, it doesn't really, right. you gotta, oh, you yeah, know. yeah. I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. 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 Recon- recontextualization is everything. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It must be interesting for you to like ha- have an ongoing project and then have something that that you're like you know going back into the archives to kind of curate like the difference between between like this is the body of work that i have to work with versus mm-hmm. like i can go out and create something new which do you prefer is it or is it just they're just so different that well, they're just you know, so different i mean really yeah. like this new project it's just i i have to go walk this damn dog of ours like three or four <laughs> times a day it's just there's no choice yeah. i don't get to right. go he's a rescue american staff or true terrier who would just Aww. rip apart sweetheart but she just rip apart any other dog that she'd encounter yeah. so yeah, yeah. Get to just go like let her in the dog park and look at right. my phone so i i will go out <laughs> on these walks and to me it's like okay another aspect of this project is that you don't need to our, our everyday life is spectacular mm. and surreal and if you just take the time to look up you know, if you yep. just take the time to to look up from your phone and totally, and it's just about like yeah, constantly looking, and that's that's when I do that, you know. Mm. And then the the archive material, yeah, like that is just, I mean, especially this coming year, I've got a museum show supposedly lined yeah. up for the end of the year. I was gonna and, ask, that's great. Um, you know, a bunch of launch stuff. Uh, just one more question on on the on the work of the past. How was your archiving? Is it is it? Did you did you play it smart? Like can you can you you like? Oh, I need this picture. Do you know where that negative sleeve is? Like which you know like how's that? Because I always try to work on my archiving and trying to know where everything is and stuff like that. Or is it kind of just you know where it is, but it's kind of like over in the corner and you yeah, got to dig for it. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty haphazard. I mean, I, I can obviously, <laughs> like, if it's a specific band, I can find it. I can find that band very quickly. But then uh, something like Nirvana or Pearl Jam, it can sometimes take time to, to drill down on stuff. Okay. But for them, yeah, yeah. And then there's just a bunch of stuff that's, I'm a little ADD, so my file naming when I do digitize it can sometimes be a prop problematic. <laughs> but I got it to a point where yes, it it does work for me. Um, okay, good. Well, good. It probably yeah. wouldn't work for anyone else. That, uh-huh. you know, I'm in that boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people come over and they're like, "Oh my god, you look so organized." And I'm like, well, yeah, that's because there are all the negatives are in nice gray boxes. But if yeah, you have to yeah. go into the box, 
uh, it can yeah. be something to become <laughs> a little different matter. Or right. in, uh, you know, I have a big long line of flat files. It's like, well, whatever you mm-hmm. do, just don't don't ask me to actually find something in those flat files. <laughs> right. At least quickly. Yeah. Uh-huh. We just moved to my to my credit. We moved house like after 13 years. We moved house okay. last year. Oh wow. And that was major. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I went pretty quickly, so I didn't have time to go through stuff like I, you might normally want to. And we were doing remodel on the new house and the old house yeah. at the same time. So, Did you find anything you forgot about? Yeah, not really, no. No. So that means you're good at archiving then. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, yeah. I, there is, there's like this one... Though there's sometimes there's just one, and sometimes you think, God, did I just dream that? Like I have this uh-huh. one, this one shot that I I took of Snoop Dogg, and I can't find it anywhere. Oh no! <laughs> I know my son, my son's into hip hop. I know he'd love that, but I know, yeah. but I know I saw it. Like I saw it, like in the old yeah. house, I where I was looking through some slides. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll put this in this sleeve for like selects or something, and then I don't yeah. know. Oh but, man. That's Bummer. great. <laughs> It'll turn Gee. up. Don't worry. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> like one of those recurring dreams, you know. Uh huh. Like, uh-huh. like, or it'll haunt you forever. Like, where's the Snoop Dogg yeah. photo? <laughs> I know yeah. you're here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back with a couple listener questions for Charles right after this message from our sponsor. Just wanted to pop in here quick and let you guys know about our Patreon-only Develop and Hang Nights. Now, we've done a bunch of these already. They're a ton of fun. We develop some film. We talk shop. We also try to get a former guest for these. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Like we always say, Patreon is the best way to support the show. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we take a question from one of our listeners. We're actually going to hit Charles with two today. So the first one comes from friend of the show, Bob Price, that he asks, favorite band to photograph slash nicest band to work with? Ooh, um, you know, I've been asked this before, and it always comes back to Mud Honey. Mm. I mean, and and somebody actually was just doing a Facebook post on this a, a while back about how they, mm-hmm. they were had met Mud Honey back in the t- doing their photo back in the 90s and talking about how they were just so nice and accommodating and mm. and as long as you as long as you you know bought them a six pack of beer like you can <laughs> just you anything <laughs> that band uh, I mean it's a little bit of a bias because I've I've been friends with the band you know mm-hmm. even pre before they were mud honey so uh but no they were they were great guys but you know I've had like interesting usher like a, a Somebody who I had no clue who this guy was, honestly. And then he just like let me be a fly on the wall for like two and a half hours backstage for Vibe. And and I just was like, you know, I like that kind of professionalism too. Like where it's just sort of like, you know, this is, you know, early on in his career, but he's still playing the, you know, 10,000 seat arena. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he just was like, okay, I'm just going to trust this guy to do what he needs to do. And, you know, I didn't like try to interject in like business decisions or meetings that he was having while I was, I knew when to like, you know, slink off into the other room or do whatever. And that's what you kind of have to do as as a photographer. So, and um, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily always about who's nicest, but sometimes it's just about like who's most professional too yeah Mm. just to kind of bounce off that 
off that answer just a little bit. Does it ever, I mean, I guess it wouldn't bother you, but is it ever just like you're always kind of referred to as the Nirvana photographer? Mm. Like, do, do you ever feel like it's there's... Seattle guy. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. do you ever just, is there ever kind of like a negative feeling towards that? Or is it just kind of like, you know, you're like, oh, there's so much more than that or... Yeah. Yeah. I think as I, as I, I had that like more in maybe the like my late 30s 40s early 40s now i've you know now that i'm pushing 60 i'm like okay i've gotten over it i've embraced yeah, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. everybody gets that opportunity or you know so what if like i did my greatest hits in my 20s okay like, yeah let's yeah but yeah, there there was definitely you know particularly in the late night. That's kind of why I ran off and and did a bunch of trips to Vietnam and did some, some work there yeah. and did some different things, um, just to prove almost as much to prove to myself that I I'm can a, a photographer or whatever you know yeah. right yeah. right right yeah but uh, yeah you just have to come to you have to come to grips with that stuff mm-hmm. and you know or just be. It's like a the band that has been going on for thirty years. If 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 they're not okay yep. playing their greatest hits, yep. um, you know, after all that time, then they're, they're, there's they're, they're not going to make it for thirty right. years. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Good man, point. Just, Good parallel. Yeah. Just curious. Just curious, man. All right. So we'll do one more one more uh, listener question for you, and this one comes from Reed Haithcock, and he wanted to know worst camera damage incident from a stage diver or guitar swing mm. or any. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. From a stage diver, it was definitely, and it happened a couple of times, really. Um, it was uh, getting the, the hot shoe snapped off. Oh, on, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, on my flash. Uh, Dang. The Vitar 285. And, um, Jeez. Yeah, eventually just bought an aftermarket metal one. Screwed it <laughs> Smart, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of the, the, the prime concern really and um i never did you know i would photograph with a 24 i would photograph inches away from the the guitar act yeah i never did get hit by a guitar in it so good you got yeah i got pretty good at just swaying (laughs) dodging yeah Uh but i did you know when i was in high school i ruined a Ruined a very inexpensive camera for my mom at the time on a oh, no. Yep, that was my first uh, introduction. Wow, <laughs> I've I've dropped uh, I've dropped a Leica lens before. Oh, screwed that up. I watched mm-hmm. my son nudge a Leica lens when he was like five, four or five. Just nudge it, and we were on vacation. Um, nudge a thirty-five millimeter off of the coffee table <gasps> on the tile floor with his foot. Oh, no. Oh no! Right in front of me, just that dumb like <laughs> yeah. son and just whatever. Like, what's gonna happen now if I do this? Uh, yeah. You know. Oh. So yeah, it's just mostly been stuff like that. I, 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 I'd like to say good answers, but man, they hurt. Yeah. They hurt a little bit. Yeah, that, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, breaking the flash off. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Give them the tough questions, Chris. Okay. You ready? Uh huh. So. <laughs> We ask every guest, what is your all-time favorite? If you're stranded on a desert island, and we preface this desert island is magical, it's not real. So it, there's a photo yeah. lab, there's batteries, there's anything that you might need to, you know. To keep your camera going. <laughs> to keep your camera going. Um, what's your all-time, if you had to only use one, what is it? Oh, boy. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, we had all that. Uh, man, it, you know, I guess I guess if you're on a desert island, it might be a little bit limiting. But uh, <laughs> man, I, I had an M6 with like a 0.58 viewfinder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And that was a that was a pretty sweet camera. But um, as far as cameras I own, like I said, the Leica M10-R, like that does it for me. And I do have a Leica M monochrome as well. And that's- Oh, perfect. Yeah, the monochrome. But uh, boy, yeah, I've been through a lot of, I like like my cameras. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we know about that. (laughs) That is a difficult question. Yeah, it is. I just it's tough, especially when you're like, you know, think like, oh, I'll I'll slim down, I'll get rid of some stuff, and you're like, well, I can't sell that because like I'll need it for whatever, whenever, you know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, twenty my twenty eight Simicron is f two lens is is what I like most. You know, a dream. It's unless a dream I'm setup. unless I'm doing something like I said this this latest project I've been shooting mostly long lens one thirty five a uh, ninety wow. seventy five which are Kind of, it's 135 is considered a strange walk around lens for a Leica, but now, now it's it's nice. It's like okay, you really have to work at this abstraction, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I put on a 28 or something to go shoot like a, a landscape or a skyscape, and it's like, yeah, it's like an iPhone photo, you know? Yep. Right. Whereas, yep. whereas yep. this is more like, oh, there's these like little elements going on here. Totally. Yeah. It's a good it's a good practice to 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 do something like that to use a uh-huh. lens that's Absolutely. yeah 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 I I I think that I think I I like you know it's why I shot breakdancers on medium format when I could have mm-hmm. just whipped out a you know a, a, a digital SLR and banged mm-hmm. away but I I I like that I think that that challenge sometimes is what sort of you know makes the art appear yep right yeah, being intentional about your tool too. Yes, it is. You have, you know, obviously, that work looks completely different than anything you you would have done with the digital camera. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Okay, second part. Of, there's a two part question. We forgot to tell you that, but is there anything? I know you've probably shot a bunch of stuff, but is there any cameras out there that you you're like wanting to get or like wanting to try? Maybe like large format or anything like that. Have you have, have you got your eye on anything recently? Um. Yeah, there's nothing I can really afford at the moment. <laughs> An ongoing problem. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If if I had my druthers, uh, well, I would like to. And this goes back to the first question. I actually would like to to pick up an M6. Um, the the new reissue would be awesome, but I I yeah. would I would for an, for an old used one. But even this, God, they're just so expensive. Uh, I just I know. don't know how how much I would actually use it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I'm a little bit fascinated by something like the the Hasselblad yeah. X2, like that sort of pseudo medium format. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are neat too. Yeah. Didn't, you, yeah, didn't you try one of those out, Chris? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I don't know. I'd have to see. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of electronic viewfinders, so. More and yeah. more, the the camera choices are are becoming limited. Yeah, yeah. The electronic viewfinder is like still so jarring because I use the, I use that uh, for work. I'm an on set photographer, and just going from analog to that, and like I'm like oh, I can look through. It's like you're, it it's weird, you know. It is it's like, weird. Right? And, it's weird. Yeah, and then I mean, the only cool thing is like what I do like is 
you know, when you you change your exposure, it like lightens up as you're looking at that's it. That's true. Yeah. But that's well. But other than that, I mean, you what know. what really appeals to me with with the Leica M uh, rangefinder is that I I I have generally on a lot of my shots, particularly when I'm in the moment, uh, like say shooting shooting bands or my kids or something like that. I, I'm yeah. not looking through the viewfinder. Mm. Um, so, uh, oh. and the and the the Leica viewfinder, it's so imperfect as it is. You know, it's really yeah. just these these like not giving you the perspective or anything mm-hmm. like that. And so, I I know I pretty much just through muscle eye memory know where the wow. image fall is going to fall right outside the frame lines. But right. at the same time, it seems to liberate liberate me from feeling the need to be looking through the viewfinder yeah you're right so and then i i know the micro movements of the lens where the focus will fall and um so i I can actually follow focus with an m wow Mm. wow i'm just really i've had i've had peers watch me work with one and even peers who've worked with rangefinders and they're like wow you're you're pretty pretty handy with that (laughs) yeah um yeah it, it just is kind of but it the end of the day it's whatever works for you you know totally and, yep uh, totally yeah dslrs again like i think maybe because of my astigmatism in my eye mm-hmm. okay. by the end of the day working with an slr i would just feel like my eye wanted to fall out of it yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i get that same feeling with the evf so uh-huh. i think it's having to look at something so close you know the slr it's a mirror on that top of the yep. body and yep. UVF, it's a tiny TV in there, so it's crazy. It's so weird, yeah. yeah. Whereas with the by with the 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 M, you're just looking straight through straight glass, through. except for right. the focus patch in the middle, right, right. Or I'm just a, some sort of purist snob. I don't know. <laughs> that, hey, that's, <laughs> hey, that's okay right. too. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Really looks great on the coffee table of my yacht. Let me right. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> same, oh same my here. God. Charles, this has been fantastic. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. We're very excited for your book. Um, yeah, I can't wait. This is the part of the show where you can plug any any of that stuff. So where can everybody pre-order? Where can they find on Instagram? Yeah, so it's uh, coming out uh, February 20th. Kurt's birthday is the release date. So um, And it's for pre-sale up until then, uh, both the, the regular edition and the special limited edition uh, with the print. There's a hundred of those and a print and a special dust jacket. And that's at minormattersbooks.com. Uh, my Instagram, charles.peterson.photographer. Facebook and Twitter and all that. You can look that stuff up. But uh, I'm primarily active on Instagram. Yeah. Perfect. It's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> For what that's worth. Yeah, Yeah, for what that's worth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Charles. This has been a pleasure. And thank you again for taking the time. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Good luck with the book. I'm going to go walk the dog and maybe take a few pictures now. There you go. (laughs) Love it. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. First off, Chris and I would love to thank Charles for coming on the show. What a legend. Such a great conversation. It was great getting to talk to you. Can't wait to pre-order this book. Such a Nirvana head. Such a grunge head. Love the 90s. Uh, I'm just, we're we're in awe over this episode. Like, we're so glad we got to talk to you. Such an amazing story. Such a great body of work. Guys, check out his work. 
His socials will be linked below. Pre-order the book. Do the whole thing. Thanks again, Charles, for taking the time. We we really appreciate it. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk for only a buck. You can get the show two days early. We also have our Patreon only developing hang nights over there. A bunch of stuff in the archive and a link to the Discord. So that's really cool for all the patrons that already help support the show. Guys, we do not know what we would do without you. We appreciate each and every single one of you. Again, patreon.com slash analog talk. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. What a killer episode. I think we have one more left in the books before we call it a year. Isn't that crazy? It's been another year. Wild. So keep shooting, guys. We'll see you soon with an all new episode. And yeah, later. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.